Welcome to Let's Eat. I'm your host, Emily, holistic health coach and self-proclaimed wellness enthusiast, here to meet you at the intersection of physical and mental health, the exact location where optimal wellness lies. This podcast is meant to explore all areas of mind and body wellness, designed to offer you the integrative knowledge, behavioral strategies, and mindset shifts necessary to uplevel your health and feel better today. We'll explore nutrition, sleep, movement, self-care and stress management, habits and routines, gut health, mental health, and more. I am so happy that you're here. Welcome to the table. Let's eat. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Eat. I'm super excited to continue part two today of my story. If you have not listened already, go back and listen to part one. I dive into my health history, both physical and mental, my beliefs around health, how I approached health, my relationship with exercise, my relationship with food, different stressors and experiences I had growing up that really impacted my mental health and even my physical health then and now. And I share on some topics that I haven't really spoken on before and you know, touch on. And obviously as I move along, I'm sure that these topics will also come up again in other ways because this is obviously my experience. And so a lot of this conversation, a lot of this podcast is going to be driven by my own personal experience. So I'll be highlighting some of those areas again and how it impacted me personally and and how I draw from those experiences now in my own life, in my work with clients and so forth, right? The most valuable experiences that we have are really our firsthand experiences. And, you know, we can take those experiences and really help others. So um, that is essentially where we're going to pick up today. I ended last episode talking about my skin health journey. And I think that that is one of the biggest influences on my development understanding of the mind-body connection, of understanding the interconnectedness of our body. And that is because in retrospect, I see how my skin health issues, the cystic acne I was experiencing, the general inflammation in my body. I look at pictures of myself, excuse me, during that time. And I just remember distinctly how I felt. And at the time, of course, I couldn't put a name to it. I didn't understand inflammation. I didn't understand what was actually going on. But in retrospect, looking at pictures of myself or videos of myself, seeing the symptoms I was experiencing through the photos, through the videos and whatnot, and just in recollection of those those years of my life, that's exactly what it was. It was inflammation. And so, you know, it's fascinating too, because around this time, you know, this was probably 2017, 2018, 2019, into 2020, I was active on my Instagram. You know, I had, you know, been sharing about health and wellness since about 2018, but at the time it was very much limited to nutrition and exercise. And I would argue that it was also very service level. Like what I was sharing was about healthy eating, quote unquote, and moving our body. but what I was actually doing, even though I was moving the needle just a little bit, I wasn't getting to the depth that I needed in order to heal. And I think that's so fascinating because I look back and I was putting forth this effort, but I was still struggling with my skin. And that was because I didn't understand what was actually taking place. I was trying really hard to live a healthful life and to showcase that. And I was in a lot of ways but I wasn't getting to the root. I wasn't getting to the issue. And I was essentially perpetuating the dysfunction and perpetuating these underlying issues, which I can imagine I'll never actually know the full depth of it all, right? I mean, I know generally speaking what was going on. I'd imagine it was gut related and liver related, detox related. I'm sure my hormones were a mess, right? But I didn't really understand that until probably several years later, and that's kind of where we left off in the last episode. I was talking about how, you know, it was it was in retrospect that I was able to put together the pieces and realize, wow, this is actually what was going on. And, you know, it was over the course of evolving in my own lifestyle that I noticed a reduction in my symptoms. I was significantly am still and I'm still significantly less inflamed, you know, and, and so it, it's fascinating because I wasn't given the help by anyone necessarily. It was simply just a, I started to go in a different direction. And then it was when I looked back that I realized, wow, 
look at the difference that I've made. So to summarize briefly the end of the last episode, I was sharing how I was a chronic antibiotic user, and it's fascinating because I was just listening to a podcast the other day by Dr. Vincent Pedre. He is a well-known functional medicine doctor. He specializes a lot in gut health, and he was talking about how you know even just a five-day course of the specific antibiotic that he mentioned, I forget exactly what, what the antibiotic was, it takes about 12 months to recover, for your gut to recover from this certain this certain, certain course of antibiotics, right? So you can imagine from my history, if I'm taking antibiotics frequently, right? Every two months, sometimes every month, and I am not proactive about the recovery process, the re-inoculation process, the importance of healing our gut, right? all of the components that, that com compose that, that process. And I'm continuing to put my gut through this decimation, through this course of antibiotics, course of antibiotics. And over the course of time, you can imagine what type of havoc and what type of chaos is taking place within the gut. And I'm continuing to get sick as a result of it, right? And as we know, 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So if I'm continuing to operate within this vicious cycle without any understanding of the repercussions, without any understanding of the, you know, immune system compromise that I am that I'm self-inflicting, the cycle would have continued and the dysfunction and the issues would have just become much worse, right? It would have evolved into autoimmune, it would have evolved into other potentially larger scale issues. And I think this does a really great job at illustrating how maybe I was putting forth effort nutritionally, I was putting forth, forth, forth effort in terms of exercise, but it was really only scratching the surface. And even then, I would argue my nutrition wasn't as informed as it is now, right? My relationship with exercise was chaotic, lots of hit, lots of stressful workouts, which I mentioned, right? So even if I was, you know, prioritizing maybe these better habits, it wasn't really doing much for me when the larger issue under the, under the surface wasn't being addressed. I want to really emphasize the toll that this was taking on my mental health and obviously my physical health too, because I'm promoting eating real whole foods, I'm promoting having a healthy relationship with exercise, and while I'm thinking that I'm doing all the right things. I'm struggling with my mental health because my skin is giving me problems and I can't understand why. And I'm also clearly struggling with my physical health because I'm getting sick so frequently and these sinus problems continue to persist. And so, you know, obviously looking back and I keep keep referencing, oh, in retrospect, in retrospect, right? I can pick I can piece it all together. But it's just really fascinating to think about how at the time I Thought I was doing all the right things and couldn't understand and then fast forward five years later and knowing the depth of which I was missing it's just really unfortunate that there's so many other people out there that are doing the same exact same exact thing where they think they're doing the right things they can't understand and it might not be hormonal acne or cystic acne related right it might be other symptoms that they're experiencing and they can't understand why because oh well I eat healthy, I eat healthy, you know, foods, I move my body, right? But unfortunately, there's much more that needs to be done in some cases to really get to that root issue than just eating the right foods, quote unquote, which oftentimes are not the right foods in a lot of ways, right? A lot of people are, are very confused in that in that arena. And maybe moving their body, but you know, having a, a fluctuating relationship with exercise or doing too much hit or not doing enough or not strength training or whatever the case is, right? So if you are in that boat, if you're feeling like, well, I think I'm doing the right things, but I don't know why it's not happening or why this is still persisting or, you know, I would encourage you to either do your own research, which, you know, can, can feel overwhelming, can be a lot, or work with someone who, who knows how to support you in getting to the bottom of it. Because I did not do that. I also was, you know, not formally understanding what I was doing to myself to even ask for further help. You know, I think I thought what I was doing was okay. And, you know, if I had known then 
see someone who is, you know, more skillful in getting to the root of these issues or isn't going to prescribe you another antibiotic and is instead going to educate you on what it is that you're doing to your gut, you know, I, I would have hoped that someone would have told me that and no one did. Right. And so I'm here to tell you, okay, if you are experiencing similar symptoms that I had, if you feel like you have chronic, you know, respiratory issues or sinus issues or anything of that nature, consider going to see someone who can help you get to the root. And it's not to say that it's all gut related. Obviously, it has some sort of relationship with the gut because our gut is responsible for a lot. And, you know, all disease begins in the gut, according to Hippocrates. And they're largely connected to some sort of gut-related issue, but it could be something related to your liver. It could be something related to your detox pathways or mold toxicity. You know, there's a number of different reasons you could be having these, you know, sinus issues, these hormonal issues, and, and so forth, right? So you really have to work with someone who has that understanding, that background to support you, because otherwise you could be in my boat and you could continue to operate the way that I was operating and, you know, I'm sure I'm still picking up the pieces from that experience in my life, especially growing up. I mentioned in my last episode how I dealt with bladder infections. I felt like I always had a bladder infection. And, and you know, it's funny. I asked my mom too. I said, mom, how many, how many bladder infections do you think I had growing up? You know, my, my childhood, my adolescence. And, you know, she's like maybe a handful. And to my understanding, I think I had quite a few more than a handful, at least from what I remember, but either way, right? I'm being treated for Lyme's disease. I'm being treated for bladder infections. Then moving into my teens and young adulthood, I'm being treated for maybe UTIs. I'm being treated for my sinus infections, right? And so you can see how this is a long standing relationship that I had with antibiotics. And so no wonder my skin responded in this way and then since then, it's still an active recovery process, right? It's still my daily responsibility to take care of my gut and to nourish and to learn how to reinforce my gut lining um, and really take care of myself in a way that promotes, you know, this area of my health because I spent so many years not doing that. And I also never had a formal gut healing recovery protocol. I was having this conversation with my integrative health doctor over the summer and I told her, I said, I spent so many years on antibiotics and I never ever did anything to help heal the gut except for just began to live my life in a different way and, and became more aware of the importance of gut health. There's a protocol called the 5R protocol and that is remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, rebalance. And you're essentially walking through these five R's in your personal health. And it's a process by which you take care of your gut. It's a process by which you heal your gut and you rebuild your gut after it's undergone the chaos that a lot of our guts experience. This protocol, right, to give you kind of just the, the summary of it, was not something I knew about, nor did I ever take place in completing it, right? I think maybe I did it indirectly in my own way, but I think I'm still learning more. I'm actually working on getting deeper into my gut health, better understanding what's going on there um, for the sake of just my general understanding, but also you know, to navigate my own health a little bit further in 2024. So I will share more on my experience with that. I'll, I'll be completing that in a couple weeks. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, because I've never done something like that before. I never worked with someone who could support me in that process. And so, you know, the, the process by which I, you know, should have gone is, is maybe something that you might then consider doing if this feels relevant to you. To move forward now, I will likely continue to touch on my skin health, my sinus infections, and my gut health over the course of the next, you know, several minutes as I continue on with my story. But I do want to kind of dive into how I got into holistic wellness, why I went into the mental health field, why I left the mental health field, and, you know, bring you, bring you up to present day. So as I move through, I'm sure I will continue to touch on my skin health journey because it's been quite the journey. Um, but for the sake of time, I definitely, you know, went through probably 22, 23, 24 into 25 dealing with these skin issues 
and they progressively became much less intense you know generally speaking as i saw my relationship with exercise stabilize <clears throat> excuse me as i saw my relationship with exercise stabilize as i became more consistent nutritionally as i noticed the inflammation significantly reduced from my body i also noticed a shift in these symptoms understandably so right and I think it was just the consistency that I really adopted in exercise and nutrition and expansion of my knowledge of health and root causes and so forth that I then noticed a shift in how I was feeling and then subsequent symptoms began to subside as well. And my relationship with exercise stabilized when I started a program called Madeline Moves. There's a woman on Instagram. Her name's Madeline Custer, and she has an app that offers you daily workouts. Very user-friendly. Sometimes I miss it because it basically broke down, okay, this is what you're doing today. Here's a video of the movement if you don't know, you know, how to do it. Lots of strength-based work as well, which was something that really changed my life when I stopped prioritizing cardio as much and started doing more weight and strength training, which as, a, as an aside, you, we, we need to be resistance training. We need to be developing muscle mass. We lose muscle mass as we age. I believe it's about three to 8% of our muscle mass is lost with every decade that we age. This is a phenomenon called sarcopenia. And so just as a small aside, as a caveat, please invest in strength training. Please prioritize strength training. I spent many years inconsistent with exercise because I was so focused on cardio and I was burning out, my body was tired, and I wasn't seeing any real progress because I wasn't really creating change in the body. I would just push forth in, in movement of a lot of cardio and then I would maybe eat less healthful foods or fall off the wagon, quote unquote, for a couple weeks in exercise, and I would go back to where I started, right? Not to mention there was this, you know, extreme underlying inflammation that was there too, right? But once I started really strength training and understanding the importance of that, my whole life changed, okay? I, I say this so confidently. So Madeline Moves is a wonderful app. I highly recommend if you're looking for something to dive into that's, you know, gym friendly. I believe she has at-home friendly options too, but it's a great place to start, very guided, which a lot of people need. I need to be told what to do. And that was very much me when I first started in the strength training area, right? I think I spent so much time on the treadmill and then I'd get off and have full intention of going and doing some free weights, but I didn't know what to do. And I'd always find myself just doing some core work, maybe five minutes and then I'd leave, right? Because I had exerted all my energy on the treadmill that I didn't want to do anything else. So Madeline Moves, great option if you're looking for something more consistent, more structured, and very user-friendly. So anyways, I you know started that. I did that with my sister, and I probably did that for about two years, two and a half years. And then after that, I bought my Peloton. So from there, I had you know the Peloton to, to use as workouts, as you know cycling, strength training, whatever the case is. So my relationship with exercise really stabilized, and it was, it was the fact that I was consistent with it that my life changed. Right? It was no longer those ebbs and flows where I would be really committed for a chunk of time and then I would you know, lose touch. And then I was really committed for a chunk of time and then I lose touch. It was so consistent that that's really where I saw the change. And I think this is really important to emphasize because I think a lot of times when we go in with more maybe spot treatment goals, you know what I mean by that? Oh, I wanna get a six pack or I wanna tone my butt or you know, I want to tighten my, my arms, right? When we go on these more, with these more spot treatment focused goals, which by the way, that's not possible. We should be prioritizing whole body um, tightening and strengthening and whatnot. But when we go in with these more, maybe, oh, I'm gonna do this for six weeks and hopefully I see a change, right? Or summer's in two months, so I really need to buckle down. When we go on these more time restricted chunks of time, we are, distracted by the importance of making it a lifestyle we're distracted from the importance of committing for the long term and i really don't think we get the results that we want when we only commit ourselves for those eight weeks for those six weeks and it was actually over the course of probably a year maybe two years that i really started to become aware of the changes in my body 
how I was getting stronger. Now I can say I'm definitely in the best shape, but I'm definitely the most toned that I've ever been. But this was not something that happened overnight. And I say this in the sense of it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in six months. It happened over the course of time, building the muscle, committing to the process. It's not to say that you can't see results in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, right? And by the way, I'm not a personal trainer. I don't have any you know, fitness background of any kind. So I'm not trying to say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm an expert in this, this arena. But just from my experience, it was really over the course of just consistency and over the course of time and committing daily to this practice, to this routine, that I really was able to see sustained results, sustained results, as opposed to I'm doing this for six weeks and then I'm just not going to do it anymore. Right. And then, okay, maybe in a couple months I'll do it again. And then I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. It has to be committed lifestyle, committed lifestyle. So over the course of time, right, my relationship with exercise strengthened. I was, you know, exercising more consistently. I was, you know, strength training, as I mentioned, still struggling in the rest department. And I really don't think it was until maybe the past year that I've really cultivated a healthy relationship with, with rest. And as it relates to movement and exercise, allowing myself rest days and active rest days and restorative work, that was a big goal of mine for 2024 is spending more time in restoration. So more yoga, more stretching, more mindfulness and meditation, more sauna sessions, which I don't need a goal for that. I just love a sauna session. So that's not going to, there's no trouble for me to get into a sauna. I love a sauna and I look forward to the day that I can have a sauna in my house. I actually thought about that too in my condo. I'm lucky that I have two bedrooms and there's a lot of, you know, saunas, one person sauna you can buy on Amazon or foldable saunas and whatnot. And I spent a lot of time thinking, how can I make this happen? Where can I store this? How can I make this happen? What will my electric bill look like? And, you know, how can this happen at <laughs> in my condo? Because I wanted one so badly. I'm like, well, I'm spending money on it to go do it at the at the spa, right? Or at the, the place that has the saunas. And it's it's not inexpensive, right? So why don't I just put that money towards my own sauna? So manifesting a future house with a sauna. Um, but anyways, that was part of my goals, you know, focusing on restoration, focusing on, you know, taking care of myself just as much as I, you know, promote my, you know, strength workouts and I, and I, you know, invest in my strength workouts. How can I continue to meet that emphasis with restoration on the other side? As it relates to nutrition, I think, you know, I, in the past probably two years have really changed my dietary habits really changed. I stopped focusing so much on non-dairy options, which was a big part of my life. If you go back into my Instagram, back into the archives, back into my old stories and my highlights, which my highlights are so outdated, I need to go in there and, and erase a lot of them because, oh my goodness, what, what was I doing? Oh my goodness. I was the queen of finding everything non-dairy. I was the queen of you know, staying away from dairy, thinking that was the culprit that was causing my skin issues, which at the time it could have been. Or at the very least, it could have just been inflammatory in my gut, you know, because I was dealing with leaky gut, so who knows, right? But I have, in the past few years, and I'll just sum it up, I've reintroduced dairy and really kind of cut out all this non-dairy, you know, alternative BS that is out there that really isn't the most healthful for us and is actually, you know, doing our bodies not so so great, you know? Um and really have evolved to adopt the philosophy that high quality organic grass-fed pasture-raised poultry meat dairy cheese all of that eggs and so forth that is where we should be spending our time and our energy and you know to really invest in these higher quality options means means we're investing in such a different nutritional value and that you know we can actually have such a nutritious nourishing diet if we consume high quality animal-based foods unless you have some sort of ethical reason or you know you are someone who is vegan and I respect everyone's choices as to why they choose to eat the way they eat so long as they are informed so long as they are educated on why they're doing it and they're not just following some trend but as it relates to animal-based products this is always going to be something that I promote choose higher quality because animal-based foods are some of the most nutritious foods that we can be eating and unfortunately, 
we are in a world that tells us otherwise, right? We're in a world that tells us to stay away from red meat. We're in a world that tells us to stay away from dairy. But it's really a matter of what quality you're choosing versus the, you know, the entirety of that food group. Um, and making that overgeneralization, I think, is really damaging. So I really started to focus on my protein intake. This was a huge change for me, really understanding how much protein I should be eating. This is really just the past year, especially as my fitness goals have evolved. You know, I've really started to be more aware of that important component. I really upped my vegetable and produce intake. I have, you know, simplified a lot of my routines, right? I've cut out a lot of those you know, creamers that I'm adding to the coffee and I've switched to just a organic grass-fed half and half. I make my own cashew milk at home now, but that's about all that I do in terms of non-dairy, I would say. I eat high quality cheese, not, you know, every single day, but when I want to, I do. I drink matcha now as opposed to coffee every day. This was just a personal choice that I made over this past summer. And I have coffee from time to time because I love coffee and I will be a forever coffee girl. But, you know, I've really just shifted a lot of how I approach nutrition since I started. And I think that that is really fascinating to see how far I've come and where I was before. Like I said, you know, when I first started my Instagram, and I keep referencing this because I think if you went back and looked at 2018 Emily, 2019 Emily, you would see so much of a different person as it relates to her nutritional choices. And I don't think the average person has has maybe these records to reflect on, whereas I can go back on my Instagram and look at all of these choices and these things that I would promote. And, you know, I think it was a sign of the times as well, right? Like we've come such a long way since 2018. I've also immersed myself in so much more research and understanding and education around these topics, which has allowed me to formulate my belief system, my philosophy, food and exercise and so forth. But it has been quite the turbulent journey in this evolution. And I'm so grateful for where I am. I feel so much better where I am. I know my gut health is happier this way. I know my hormones are happier this way, right? And I think a lot of you know, this journey has been trial and error and I'm so grateful for it. And I think, you know, I look back and, and I think about how little I knew then and how much I know now and where I'll be in five years and 10 years in, from a strictly nutritional standpoint, I look forward to that because that makes me a better coach. It makes me a healthier person and it allows me to serve anyone who is looking to improve their health and wellness, improve their nutrition, improve their relationships with sleep and movement and so forth because I too am on a journey, right? I too went from point A to point B and it was a long, long journey and I am continuing on this journey every single day, but I feel very lucky that I am where I, where I am now and I feel so confident in my relationship with movement, my relationship with nutrition, and I get so excited to help others do the same. So to give you a little bit more background on outside of just nutrition and exercise, and how my relationship has changed there. I want to also highlight my schooling and how I got to where I am now in my business and what, what my journey looked like then to now. And, you know, I had shared in my earlier episode that I went to the Univers University of Delaware for early childhood education ended up transferring from there and went to my local community college. At this point in time, I was having a really hard time with my mental health. My relationship with food and exercise was not so great. And transferring was by far the best thing that I could have done. And it's actually funny because my best friend, she also went to UDEL and we knew each other from high school. We went to the same high school and we were acquaintances in high school. We did not know each other. We weren't friends, you know, we obviously, you know, we're, we're in the same class, so we knew each other, but, you know, not friends by any means. We both went to UDEL. We both did not like it. <laughs> we both had a miserable time. And I'm convinced that she and I were both sent to University of Delaware to bond over our, you know, mutual dislike and mutual anxiety around the whole situation. And that's, you know, why we, how we became friends right and now she's one of my best friends she's been one of my best friends for 10 years i was in her wedding last year 
and she transferred as well. And, you know, I'm grateful for that experience. And I know everything happens for a reason, but it's so funny because we joke about it. We're like, the only reason that we went to this school and didn't like it was because the universe said, you two need to become, you know, besties. And so we did that. We achieved that. We bonded over our misery. And now, 10 years later, she's still one of my closest friends. So it's actually really funny. So I'm grateful for the experience um, and, you know, what it brought me. But transferring was the best thing that I could have done. I got my job bartending, which is where I bartend now. So this has been 10 years that I've been bartending here. I transferred to my local community college and enrolled in their early childhood education program. I believe it was elementary education. I completed my associate's degree there. Still not totally sure what I wanted to do. I was doing you know, field placements while doing this program didn't feel too excited for it i took a lot of psychology classes i did child psych i did you know educational psychology i did a lot of psych classes and that that piqued my interest right i was really fascinated by this and i, I think i was really good at it too so i decided to transfer to rutgers rutgers university and what's really convenient is because i wasn't interested in living on campus i wasn't interested in commuting to the campus, you know, it was only about 45 minutes from, from where I was living, but I just had no interest in dealing with that, right? I, I kind of got over the whole, you know, college life experience pretty quickly, and that's part of the reason why I transferred. So I decided to enroll in the program that Rutgers offered, which was you can take Rutgers courses and take Rutgers curriculum, but it's going to be hosted or held at the community college. So essentially, I'm, I'm still commuting to the community college, which is about 25 minutes from me, but I'm taking Rutgers courses and I'm going to have a Rutgers degree. So this was awesome. And I think part of the reason why I transferred to their psychology program was because they only had a select few options in terms of what I could major in. And so psychology being one of them, I just decided, all right, let's just do this, right? Why not? And 29-year-old me looks back and thinks about my choices in terms of schooling and education and how almost careless I was in making these choices and kind of impulsive. While I'm grateful for my journey and I'm grateful that I am where I am today, I also want to shake 21-year-old Emily and say, what are you doing? <laughs> Put some thought into this. And I'm probably, I probably did to some extent, but at the time, you know, I really didn't have much guidance. You know, I, I kind of was doing this on my own. I lived with my dad. My mom had just moved to upstate New York. She had just gotten remarried. And a lot of these decisions were just made by me. I didn't really have anyone to confide in about making this decision. I just remember feeling like, okay, I'm gonna do this alone. And I think part of this has to do with the fact that even at 18, 19, 20 years old, I, I felt very beyond my age. I felt in my 20s, I felt like I was mature beyond my years. I've always been told that you're, you know, you're much more mature, you're, you're an old soul. And I appreciate that and I believe that because I know that, I know that about myself. But I think I also took that a little too far in making these decisions, which like I said, don't get me wrong, I'm grateful that they led me to, to where I am now but it was a very roundabout way. And, and at the time, 21 years old, 20 years old, I wasn't thinking about health and wellness and holistic wellness and, and having my own business. I, I, I had no idea, right? This was not the plan at all at that age. So I have, to, I have to be patient with myself, right? Because you do the best you can with what you know, right? You can do the best you can with what you know now. So at the time, that's all I knew. And so <clears throat> making this decision to go into psychology was simply just a, all right, you know what? Psychology is something I can use anywhere. So why don't I just make this decision right now and I'll figure it out in two years. So enrolled, actually ended up making a few really close friends in the program. It was the best idea that I could have had, right? Because I was able to work. I was able to complete my bachelor's degree in psychology. I graduated from Rutgers, right? And to this day, no one knows that I didn't actually go to Rutgers, right? But I have a bachelor's degree from Rutgers University, and I, I was able to complete it in a way that was more conducive to my lifestyle, made me happier, and you know, overall, it just really worked out. So fast forward to, I wanna say, 
the year before I was graduating with my bachelor's degree and I was on a trip to Washington DC to visit one of my girlfriends. I was with two of my other girlfriends and we were talking about what my plan was, right? We were talking about my potential master's degree, right? Given the fact that I was getting a bachelor's in psychology, it did slightly beg the need for me to continue my educational journey, which was fine. I fully intended on that. I think partially because I am a, an eternal student. I love being in school. I love learning. And also because I knew, well, at the end of this year, I'm not going to know what I want to do. I'm not going to have a plan. So I should go back to school because then I can prolong this process a little bit more. So that was my plan, right? Was, okay, well, I have to figure out what I'm doing for my master's, but I'm definitely going to go back to school. I was bartending. So finances were not an issue, right? My, my schedule was very conducive to going to school. And I just knew, okay, I can continue this, this educational journey until hopefully I wake up one day and I think, okay, I'm going to do this. So on our trip to Washington, D.C., I was talking to my girlfriends, and I guess at this point, I had somehow developed an interest in nutrition and food. I'm not totally sure how this happened, where this came from. I think I, you know, would periodically mention that I liked to cook and maybe make healthier recipes, but my Instagram was not in existence yet. I don't really recall the whole the whole of it, right? But my one girlfriend had said, well, Emily, if you like nutrition and you like food and you have a background in psychology, why don't you do eating disorder care? Why don't you, why don't you get your master's in eating disorder therapy? And I remember talking to her about this and thinking, yeah, okay, that, that actually sounds like a good idea. Now, I want to emphasize over and over and over again that I now know through my extensive schooling, through my internships, through all that, that eating disorders have nothing to do with food, okay? This is a very naive approach. This is before I really understood eating disorders. And what we know is eating disorders are all about emotions and coping skills, and it has nothing to do with the food. And just because I've been interested in nutrition, just because I've been interested in food, doesn't mean that I will then translate into being an effective eating disorder therapist because it really doesn't have anything to do with the food. It's just the way that these individuals are using food, right? Or, you know, utilizing food in a way that's maladaptive and obviously putting themselves in danger. So I want to preface everything that I'm gonna, you know, share because I definitely know full well that there's really not much overlap there aside from it's about eating, right? And, and, and how these individuals are using food or not using food and so forth. And it's less about nutrition itself. And there's a lot of registered dietitians out there that actually specialize in eating disorders. And that's kind of what I learned over the course of my time in internship, that there are RDs that specialize in eating disorders because of how specific their approach needs to be based on these circumstances. And so, you know, maybe at the time I probably could have gone in that direction because I had the opportunity. Um, but outside of maybe that, that specifically, working as an eating disorder therapist does not include, you know, education and supporting clients in in nourishment, right? It's really about the emotions and the coping skills and so forth. And along their healing journey, along with lots of other professionals and their comprehensive team of support would include someone like a nutritionist or a registered dietitian who could help support them in nourishment and, and, and so forth and the, the refeeding process and whatnot. So I just wanna really emphasize that because I feel like I look back and it felt it feels very naive now to, to say, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and once I really started to learn more, I realized I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really looking in the right field. So my decision to pursue this field clicked immediately. I went home, I looked into programs. I found that the College of New Jersey had a pretty prestigious or well-known counseling program. And I, you know, I learned that I couldn't really go and enroll in a program that was specific to eating disorders. I needed to do a general mental health counseling, clinical mental health counseling program, which in retrospect, I'm grateful that I did that because had I gone for just eating disorders, if that was possible or accessible to me, I would be really limiting myself. And you know what 
ended up happening was I didn't end up going into that field. So I'm grateful that I went in this direction instead and got a general mental health degree. So I applied to TCNJ because they had the program. I interviewed, I got in. I remember I was at the Apple store when I learned that I got into the program. This was March of 2019, I believe. No, 2018, March of 2018. And I was debating whether or not I was gonna buy an Apple Watch. And I got the email that said, congratulations, you know, you've been accepted to the College of New Jersey's um, clinical mental health counseling program. And I remember saying to the salesman, I just got into grad school. I think I need to buy this watch. This is a sign that I need to buy this watch. So I bought the watch, I bought the Apple Watch. And the salesman was like, oh, cool. Like he was certainly not as, you know, overwhelmed with excitement as I was, okay? But you know what? He made the sale. So at the end of the day, it, it was a win-win, right? So I left with an Apple Watch because I said, well, I'm here and I got in, so let's celebrate. So I got myself an Apple Watch. I got in, I went to orientation that following June, or that next June, a couple months, picked my classes and started in the fall. Okay, a lot of my classes were pretty general, you know, intro classes. And it was also during the fall that I started my Instagram. Okay, so I'm in grad school, starting my program. I met one of my closest friends there, started to better understand the field, better understand what I was getting into. And the difference between me and a lot of my classmates was a lot of my classmates had their sights on this career for their whole lives. Whether it was school counseling, a lot of my girlfriends there were in the school counseling you know, program. A couple of them were in the clinical mental health counseling program. And some of them had their own experiences that inspired them to go into this field. But that was the difference between me and a lot of my classmates. And I'll share more on that as I move along. But it was during this time that I started my Instagram, I shared with a girlfriend of mine who I worked with, you know, I have this interest in eating disorders. I have this interest in nutrition and food and so forth. And if I shared or if I began sharing my meals and I started sharing recipes and whatnot, would you follow along? You know, I had followed some girls on Instagram that I really loved watching, like Shut the Kale Up and... Rachel's Good Eats, right? These are women that I have been following for years. I, I know the ins and outs of their lives and they really inspired me to start my page. And I really envied them and, and you know, modeled a lot of what I did after them, you know, which is really, really cool, especially because I follow them still to this day. But, you know, I asked my girlfriend this. I said, would you, would you care? Would you follow along? And she said, absolutely. So I said, all right, well, one person will care. <laughs> one person will follow, follow along and be interested. So I'm going to do it. So I remember at my first post, I think it was November 10th, 2018, and it was a picture of me and it was essentially in the caption saying, you know, I have an interest in eating disorder care and I look forward to the day that I work with clients, you know, to teach them how to best nourish their body and follow along, right? And I think I said something along the lines of with kale in one hand and a glass of red wine in another because my whole, you know, my whole mantra or theme was balanced and it still is obviously, but you know, maybe not so much the red wine as much anymore, but it was all about kale and red wine, right? Having that balance. And that was, that was the start. That was the start. And I look back at some of my, you know, posts and the things I was sharing and how much work I put into every single thing that I shared. And at the time it was really recipe based. You know, it wasn't informational. It wasn't educational necessarily. I mean, there was moments I would share something educational, but my personal education was pretty limited. So most of what I was sharing were recipes. And I kid you not, I would go to ShopRite like every day. I was literally going to ShopRite nearly every single day to get ingredients for a new recipe that I could share. And it's just so funny because I've come so far and it's evolved and I put so much less pressure on the things that I'm sharing now. It's so much more myself. I feel so much more authentic to my content and what I'm opening up about and, and what I, you know, educate on and I share. And, you know, at the time I just had this vision of what I wanted it to be. And I wanted brand deals and I wanted free PR and I wanted, you know, relationships with these bigger companies and, and having affiliate codes and being so jealous of these girls that got free packages and, and had, you know, had relationships and, and brand deals and affiliate programs, which it was all pretty, pretty new then. Influencer marketing was not what it is now, which is wild for, for me to even say, considering it's only been five years. 
But I had so many goals. I wanted so badly to be that girl, to get all of the PR and all of the, the free products. And, and I would get companies that would reach out and be like, oh, can we send you this? And I would take anything. I literally took anything. I remember my first feature was Bragg's. Bragg's, they're apple cider vinegar. I don't know what their full product, I think it's called just Bragg's. And they posted a picture of Lulu on their feed. And I was shook and they sent me sent me a package of, of apple cider vinegar and something else they sent me a cookbook something like that and i remember plant fusion which is a protein company and i actually worked with them as an affiliate and they posted a picture of lulu and my smoothie on their page and i remember feeling like oh my goodness this is so cool and don't get me wrong i'm not saying that i have grown to where i want to be in terms of my instagram right i've definitely grown personally but it's just amazing to look back and think about the things that I wanted and how, you know, I, I so desperately wanted that exposure or those opportunities. And I've gotten them and I'm grateful for them. And I've gotten to work with brands. I've gotten shared on massive platforms, right? Like it's it's a really cool opportunity and experience. But, you know, who I was when I started and who I am now, just completely different humans. So moving through grad school, I'm learning more about mental health. I'm learning more about counseling and what it requires to become a good therapist and, you know, taking different courses on counseling women and girls, counseling boys and men, substance use, ethical considerations, cross-cultural considerations, all the ins and outs of the curriculum of the program, you know, a really robust experience on therapy and becoming a counselor. And at the same time, I'm considering enrolling in a holistic health coaching certification. Now, at the time, my intentions were to enroll in a program just to have the education, right? Because at the time, I was thinking, well, I can take this program and I don't need to do anything with the certification, but I'll have the knowledge and the expertise then to accompany my master's. And I also just have the knowledge for my own understanding to share on Instagram. And I thought it was a really great idea, right? So I looked into programs, ended up going with AFPA, that's the American Fitness Professionals and Associates. And it was a certified holistic health coaching and holistic nutritionist program, joint program. Very hands-off, self-paced. I ordered all the curriculum. I remember opening this massive box and it was just books and books and books. And there's still books that I reference today. I have them, I see one sitting right in front of me. It's called The Disease Delusion by Dr. Jeffrey S. Bland. He's been known as the father of functional medicine. And I still reference them all the time. I've reread them. I love them. They're really, really informative books. And the basis of the curriculum was these, you know, texts that I would personally just buy on Amazon, which I love. A lot of these books were books that I probably would have otherwise bought. And so I would say there was probably about seven to eight of those. And then there were a few textbooks, a few um, maybe more strategy logistical counter i'm sorry coaching books that came along with it so there was a general health and wellness textbook and i had a book called coaching right and what's funny is a lot of the skills that i learned as a coach were already foundational skills that i was learning as a as a counselor active listening and reflecting and all of these more basic counseling skills that i developed and i learned and i utilized in my classes i was also going to be learning as a coach so i actually bypassed a lot of that because i knew well i'm already learning all this i know how to do all this so it really actually complemented the program well right because i was doing a lot of the traditional therapeutic basic counseling skills classes and learning about those and then i was also doing my coaching cert which really didn't require me to invest in like 50% of it because 50% of it was what I was already learning in school. So a lot of my time went through or went towards devoted to the curriculum, devoted to the books, the reads and so forth. And that was really where I started to develop an understanding of food and mental health, food and physical health, you know, lifestyle and mental health, lifestyle and physical health. And that was really where my, the wheels in my brain started turning about, okay, wait a second what is it that i really want to be doing here so it was over the course of probably the spring of 2019 through 
the end of that year into 2020 that I spent a lot of time reflecting on what direction am I heading. And my knowledge of nutrition and mental health, my knowledge of lifestyle and holistic wellness continued to expand. I completed my health coaching certification. It took me two extensions to complete it. I think the ideal was a 12 month period. And because I was getting my master's at the same time, I needed some extensions, but it was through the beginning of the pandemic that I could actually fully commit to completing it. So I completed it June, 2020. But over the course of this time, as I'm taking my coaching you know, program, as I'm completing my master's, I'm learning more about myself. I'm learning more about my interests and my passions. And at the same time, while I'm in school, I'm not feeling like I'm totally connecting with the curriculum, with the work that I'm doing. We would have to do role plays and, you know, you know, mock counseling sessions. And I didn't feel like I ever fully grasped it. And I just wasn't feeling the energy for the program like some of my classmates were. And maybe at the time I didn't notice it. Maybe at the time I wasn't totally in touch with that. But I look back and I can see it very clearly. There's this this undertone of lack of motivation and interest. And I think this was probably my body's way of telling me this might not be for you or this might not be the direction that you you fully want to head in. And as I continued to immerse myself in more of the wellness area, there was lots of overlap, right? Of course, because our physical health is our mental health and our mental health is our physical health. But the direction of being fully working with clients in a mental health capacity, right? In the depression, anxiety, OCD, self-harm world, I don't think that was something that I fully latched onto and it made obviously schooling a little bit more challenging for me and it also led me to question what direction am I going. Your girl did not realize she would be such an elaborate storyteller and it would be such a long story to explain my history and my story of, of you know, counseling and my master's degree and my certification and so forth. So we are going to wrap up here and this is a cliffhanger for you to tune into part three to finish up talking about, you know, my experience finishing up my master's degree, my experience and might I add turbulent experience and internship, which led to probably my slightly turbulent experience in the mental health field how I started my business, what inspired me to start my business, my long-term vision as, you know, a pro pro provisionally licensed therapist and, you know, kind of my journey to get to where I am today. So part three, tune in. That's where we will wrap up this journey. I will share a little bit more about my health as it relates to this period of time in my life. And I hope that you enjoy. Thank you for being here. And as always, be well. Thank you.